This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning. I'm Jacqueline Burke from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings. And you're not from Ocala. We'll get to that. And uh, I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, where it snowed a foot last night. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 17th, episode 2621, brought to you today by State Line Tech. Good morning, Horse World. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, Glenn's not here to hassle me because I have Jacqueline here. That's right. Jacqueline Burke, she says uh, she's from Ocala. She's actually just in Ocala because tell everybody where you are from and what's going on at your house right now. I am actually from Maryland, right outside D.C., and there is supposedly going to be about a foot of snow at my house today, so I got out of Dodge uh, at the beginning of February, and I've been in Ocala for a few weeks and left the horse husband at home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you left the horse husband at home with how many horses? Uh... We had 17 when I left, but a few went to owners, and I brought three down with me, so I think there's 12 at home right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what would happen to me if I left 12 horses at home with my husband? First, it, there'd be some, there'd be injuries to everybody. I mean, to both parties, like horses <laughs> and husband. There would, be, there would be a problem. Plus, when I came home, he would be gone. So, like, how are you doing this? I mean, I haven't gotten home yet, so he might be gone when I get home. (laughs) We're not sure yet, but I did get flowers on Valentine's Day, which I thought was very kind. But Uh, he is, to be fair, he's not totally taking care of the farm. We do have a barn manager who works for us and, you know, the borders are all there and stuff. But he has been doing daily night checks, so we got to give him major props for that. Okay, good. Now, did you tell me something about your barn manager? Well, yeah. you were gone? Well, yeah. Yeah. So she actually, um, so I left at the end of January. So I've had a girl who worked for me for almost two years and she actually got engaged last night. So congratulations to her. So she's actually leaving uh, before I get home. So yeah, it's been oh. a little crazy. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So you've got a barn manager that basically quit before you got home. You've got your husband there, but you've got employees. So that's a good thing. Is this something typical that you do every February is go down to Florida? Uh, I came down last year for three weeks uh, with two horses. Um, I've gone between Aiken and Florida. The, I don't know, forever, just kind of depending on like the horses competition schedule. So it's really nice to just try and get like some training in and possibly like some competitions uh, before everything gets crazy. And honestly, just to kind of focus on myself a little bit. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's not it's kind of been hit or miss the last few years. I I I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, uh, out of the two, but if I have to pick between Aiken and Ocala, I'm going with Ocala because Aiken can be iffy all, all the time, weather-wise. Yeah, uh, a few. So I went to the University of South Carolina, so we were like an hour north of Aiken. So basically, for like four years, I just lived in South Carolina. But I remember one year we went to Pine Top, and it snowed. I think we got six or seven inches of snow, and they plowed the cross country course for us to ride. It was nuts. Ah! That's crazy. I would like to tell you that that's probably the year that I lived in Southern Pines because I didn't own a car. All I owned was a bicycle. And have you ever had to bike through six to seven inches of snow like in a, in a pasture? Like I lived in one place and the, the place I worked was like two farms over. So, but they're behind us. So I did bike, uh, you know what struggles. It's who it's, those are the stories that make us who we are. That you know, going to school uphill both ways in the snow, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so tell us a little bit about your horses and your riding. You're an eventer, correct? Yep, yep. I uh, am an FEI event rider. So I have uh, three competition horses right now. 
Um, I have a horse who uh, is running at the preliminary level. Hopefully he'll do some FEI stuff this year. I have a coming six-year-old that's lovely that I got from Ireland. Hopefully he'll also do some FEI stuff this year. And then I have a, another off-the-track thoroughbred. I call him my five-star wannabe horse. He's <laughs> absolutely the most freakish talented of creatures I've ever had the pleasure of owning. But, man, is he difficult. So he, uh, he's been going beginner novice slash novice. Uh, and he either wins on, like, a 24 or something. Or he gets eliminated because he <laughs> can be naughty. But I think we've turned a corner the last few months. So, and actually, I'm not going to lie. He has been the best of the three boys down here. The other two have been a little difficult. This one's just being a rock star. So, yeah. So, what it's been fun. When you say what they've been difficult, what do you mean? Oh, God. How long <laughs> do you have? <laughs> All right. So, quick. So, the one, the preliminary horse is a big off-the-track thoroughbred. He's like 17-2. In all honesty, he's way too big for me. Um, but he's he's actually really nice. But he gets very spooky. And he, even at, I think he's nine, he uh, just acts like he's feral sometimes. So, we took him to like a jumper show at uh, Will Coleman's a couple of days ago. And you would have thought the horse had never been to a horse show in its life. He was like spooking and everybody. And it was just like, I was totally that girl. I had to go in the ring multiple times. All the other professionals there were like, it's okay, Jacqueline, you can go in again. And then, <laughs> you know, he's like spooking in the dressage and the jumping. And when he's so big that when he like gets rigid in his body, he literally just flings himself over jumps. So he can have four rails down or he can have a clean round. So you never really know what you're going to get, but mm, he did horses. make up for his naughty behavior. Uh, on Saturday, he finished Ocala and went double clear cross country around the modified. So that was good. Yay. But then, yeah. But then the other one toad, uh, we call him toad, the Irish horse. Um, he's, just, we call him the honey badger as well, because he just doesn't give a, about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and he has been bucking a lot. Like, we can't decide if it's behavioral or him just being naughty and Irish and Dutch all in one. Um, so, I mean, I got, like, talked to at my dressage test. They were like, does he buck like this normally? I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, all the vets have looked at him. He's like, oh, well, maybe he's just a bucker then. <laughs> so <clears throat> Wow, that sounds he, fun. Yeah, so he's having uh, more vet appointments this week, but um, poor guy. But he's just a lot. I I do think part of it is definitely he's just Irish and Dutch. So, <laughs> and the, those two worlds are fighting amongst themselves inside his head. Yes, yes, he needs to learn to where he's going to identify with himself. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Jacqueline, what we do usually, sorry, we usually get to things a little quicker, but I'm just enjoying talking to you. Um, so what we do is the daily winnies and then, um, we, uh, you know what I need to tell everybody what's on today's show. Uh, one of our listeners is really going through a, a problem right now with kissing spines. And I know you have a lot of experience with it. And I've had worked with a couple horses that ended up having it. And, um, that we're going to talk to Dr. Brooks about kissing spines and, the research that they did that actually I didn't even know you were a part of it. I I did. Uh, so when we get into that, I had a horse and we sent, um, I don't know if everybody's seen this, but they were asking for basically like hair samples and x-rays for both horses who had been diagnosed with kissing spine and then those who hadn't. Uh, so I uh, sent a couple of our horses in the barn, uh, their samples, I guess you can say. So we'll find out a little bit later on what they found in all of that. That was nice of you to participate. Fantastic job. Uh, now, uh, do you have a daily winnie? Ooh. All right. My Hold on. Daily we gotta, not we yet. I got to press the button. I got to press gotta the button. Got to hit the button. Got to wait. <laughs> all right. Okay, now you go. Okay. Now <laughs> I go. Got it. So my daily Winnie goes to, oh, this is going to be cheesy, but I guess it has to go to my horse husband, Mike. Uh, thanks, babe, for taking care of the farm. Can't wait to go to Florida next year. Maybe you want to come with. <laughs> He's like, I'm going somewhere. 
I don't know if it's Florida, but I'm going somewhere. He'll get my daily winning today. That was smart. That was real smart. Nice move. Okay, my turn. I need the birthday sound. When Glenn's gone, I have to do birthdays. Oh, okay. Let me find birthday. Uh, where's birthdays? Where's birthdays? Where's birthdays? The birthdays. It, there it is. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> All right. Well, this is what Glenn put in the show notes for me to see. Uh, if if I have gotten anybody wrong or missed anybody, send your emails to Jennifer at Horse Radio Network. Actually, you can send these to Glenn and you can shame him publicly on Facebook or whatever. Uh, but to auditors Ann Harrington and Jessica Shannon, happy birthday, ladies. Um, now, let's talk a little bit more, if you will, about... There's there's some drama and craziness. I mean, real problems going on in the central part of the country right now, from Texas, Oklahoma, and it's heading north and east, basically, it, to every place in the country except Ocala. It's getting this godforsaken weather, and I need to ask you: when you are home, you live in Maryland. What are some things that because? There's people without power. There's people without water. There's some things I have learned in this last, uh, it's the like longest recorded se section of oh, below freezing in Oklahoma history and the lowest temperatures that they've like ever had here too. Uh, so that's fun. <clears throat> so uh, some things that I've learned to stock up on, to make sure you have plenty of. What are some things, I'll go over mine in a minute, but what are some things in a snowstorm or in the winter that, Jacqueline, you feel like you have got to have? Well, I don't know if any of you ladies or our listeners have seen, but when snowstorms come and you go to, you know, the local grocery store, all the milk and all the bread is gone. I don't know what people are doing with it, but they must be making bread and milk sandwiches. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I'm admit specifically, like we all hear the bread, the milk, the eggs, all that stuff. But like for horses and a farm and and things like how to exist and s s like survive in this snow apocalypse that has happened. I got a foot of snow last night. Again, again, we had snow two days ago. So that's not something that I'm used to. I lived in Georgia all my life. And then I lived in Arizona. So this is not things that I'm prepared for. Um, uh, one thing that I've learned, Jacqueline, is mm -hmm. that there are these things that go into water troughs yeah, that keep have them those. from freezing. Mm -hmm. And I did not know about that. I didn't think about that. I'm, I'm sorry y'all are listening to me think I'm an idiot, but again, I've lived the last 10 years in Arizona. It one time went down to 32 degrees. Okay. So I'm not, and before that Atlanta, so let's go, come on. So there's these things you put in the water and I, I didn't know about them. And I was like, well, we're going to need some of those. And I couldn't find any, of course, everybody's sold out of anything that it comes close to like helping with a storm and heated dog bowls, heated chicken waters, heated everything you could possibly think of. The salt is gone, you know, all the things. Um, so my friend Larissa, shout out to Larissa, lent me two water heaters for, for troughs and you plug them in and they just float around in there and they keep the water from freezing. That's the greatest invention of all time. Oh. We'll never live without that. You need to have the heated waters. We have um, the ones that like screw in the big like Rubbermaid grade things at the bottom. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. My next project is to buy like auto heated waters for both the barn and the fields. This year's been rough. The other thing you have to make, this was a problem right before we left. Um, all the pipes kept freezing. So like we couldn't even turn on the water. So we were literally filling the like five gallon jugs of water, you know, loading them up from the house, putting them in the gator and driving them out to the fields. It was stupid. It was so dumb. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's fun. The other thing that I don't know if you figured this one out yet, but you got to make sure you, um, undo the hoses at night when it's supposed to get below freezing. Cause otherwise it really won't work. You might get a little lucky. Um, no, but yeah, salt, I did not 
get lucky that first night. <laughs> salt. I, learned. I recommend, okay. you know, lots of salt for like walkways that you need a snow plow, uh, or a good shovel, uh, definitely some wine or your drink of choice. I yeah. also highly recommend that. I mean, we, we I, I woke up this morning and I looked at the counter. It looked like we had a frat party in here. Last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't know we had all these things. Where's my husband? <laughs> but yeah, it's, that that definitely is good. Yeah, the heat, the, the the I'm not sure. So we have ne- those Nelson heated automatic waters in my barn, Did and I'm work? like, no matter what, we're going to be fine because there's water in the barn. Yeah, they they quit working. They froze, <laughs> and I was like. I'm sorry. I spent way too much money on these. So I called Nelson. I was like, I'm trying not to swear. I was like, my my freaking heated automatic waters that I spent about $4.2 million on are not working. They're frozen. And um, so what Nelson does is they manufacture them and then they send them to your, to you and your contractor and your builder. So like Morton barn built our barn and they have contractors who Hi, they hire to put in all the plumbing and the plumbers that put the automatic waters in. I remember when it was happening, they were like, we've never seen these before. These are really nice. Wow. This is a great idea. Holy crap. It's snowing again. I just looked outside. Okay. So the, the problem is they didn't put them in right and there's gaps in the bottom. So all the air is just going straight up through the bottom and everything froze. So oh, no. My, I have, my hydrants are really deep, you know, those frost-free like hydrants. So we have water there. So I'm getting mucked ups and like having to fill up, I'll take a hose down the barn aisle and whenever the hose leaks, it turns into ice instantaneously. Oh my God. I'm going to stop complaining because I did see one of our listeners, Robin, who was having to melt snow to take to her animals. Oh, yeah. That is just sounds so rough. I'm sorry about the waters. I would be so mad. That would just drive me nuts because you pay a lot extra for those heated ones. Oh, for yeah. sure. You pay a lot extra and um, there's, it's just it's like the peace of mind, I think is what you pay for. But then to have them installed incorrectly was, was pretty harsh. So I'm still in the process of figuring that out. Well, that's good to know. I, I will uh, keep that in mind if yeah. we get to that project. <laughs> If if you get your heated automatic waters and they, the person sounds like they live in rural Oklahoma, you should run away. <laughs> well, to be fair, they live in Oklahoma where it doesn't freeze. So, <laughs> yeah, but you're still a plumber and you have instructions right in front of you. <laughs> if if I may toss in my two cents, Please. one of the things when we we had a snow apocalypse back in the day when we had a really big farm with lots of horses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No power, everything sub zero for about 10 days, just out of sheer happenstance, the barn that we had did not have pressurized water. It didn't have a water spigot. It had a well with an old school crank uh, pump like they had in Little House on the Prairie where you pump the thing up and down. Yeah, y'all are crazy. Oh, God. But it doesn't freeze and it doesn't need power. So, yeah, well, it needs power. It just needs a different well, kind this, of This power. is the thing. It, and, you know, with this, it was modern. So what they had done is they had rigged up a motor and a belt. So to turn the water on and off now, it wasn't pressurized. So you had to use everything, use a bucket. It did have a, it was electric powered and that you hit a switch, it filled up the bucket, you hit, turned the switch off, but you couldn't pressurize anything. So when we lost power for seven days in sub-zero weather, we had all the water we wanted no, nice. So, you know, if you live in one of those places where you're going, oh, my God, I really could be without power and things like that. If you have a place to install one of those old school hand pumps, but, they don't. Jen, did you then have to, like, carry the water? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the water pump was five feet from the front door of the barn. It wasn't very far to walk. We only had, oh, I think, 15 okay. horses at the time. <laughs> only 15. Only 15. Oh, peanuts. <laughs> I was younger oh, then too. <laughs> well, let's go. Yeah. Younger and stronger and all yeah. those things. Well, Hey, before we move on and get to our first guest, let's talk about our title sponsor, state line tax. And Jacqueline, you have to go to state line tax right now. And you have to look at all the ridiculous sales that they have. They're selling blankets and now's the time I should buy one. Um, I actually, everybody has a blanket right now, but you never 
have enough, you know, like you just never have this one's dirty. I need a new one. You can go check out the 50% off of blankets and sheets sale going on right now at state line tack. They've got outerwear bundle up. How come all the people in these pictures, Jacqueline, have you noticed that all of the people that are sporting equestrian clothing are all like really put together clean and they look, they look way too happy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how does she get her hair to like perfectly fit like and curl under that beanie? Oh, well, Probably she wasn't licked by a horse 30 seconds before she took the picture. But you can go check out all of the awesome products at Stateline Tag. There are the Arctic skirts that people love to wear. The ins- they're like skirts, but they're insulated and they're Arctic. I've, I've never had one, but I know a lot of people like them and they are on sale. They are 38% off right now. If you go check them out at Stateline Tag, the vests, they've got the thermo pants. What do you, what are your, some of your go-to and your must-haves, Jacqueline, when you live up in Maryland? Uh, wool socks. You definitely need good socks. And then, uh, a good hat. Uh, there's also, and they have this on the state line tack website is those red and goat, red and goat, red and goat, like jumpsuits, suits, the snow suits. They're Uh awesome. Highly recommend. Uh, I think their sales are going to go up tremendously this week. Uh, what else do you need? Obviously good blankets. Good blankets are important. Yeah. And, and they do have these 10% off right now. And these are what I recommend and, and you pay a little extra for them, but they're totally worth it is they have the dry shod boots. If you check them out, the state line tack, they're called dry shod. I have the ladies Arctic storm boots and they're like the high ones and they fold over. Oh my God. I have been walking around in all these feet of snow and my feet have not gotten cold once. I do have a wool. I have like a thin wool sock on and then these dry shod boots. Oh my gosh. Negative 25 wind chill, Jacqueline. I was outside. My feet weren't cold. So that sounds uh, terrible. I, I have a question, Jamie. Okay. The last time I hosted with Glenn, I spent too much money on the state line tech website after this, which <laughs> will probably happen again today. Yeah. But uh, I forgot to mention this. My mare is having a baby here like in the next couple of weeks. So uh-huh. I think I need a full blanket. So what kind of full blanket do I get? Because you've done this before. Um, Full blanket. Hold on. Um, I actually never had to buy a full blanket because when my foal was born, she was born in the first one in Arizona. (laughs) And the second one was born, uh, here in Oklahoma, but it had already gotten warm. It turned to spring. So actually I got pretty lucky. Um, but I, you know, you can't go wrong with the weather beta blanket. And they have these little like weather beaded newborn full blankets right here. And it looks like there's little stable blankets. I'd probably find something that was more waterproof than that. But oh my God, they're so cute. And the bonus of the full blankets is if you have a great Dane, you can use them on that next. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah, I'm worried it's still going to be snowing and cold when she has this baby. So I when feel is like it, when do you do? Uh, she is due sometime between March, like 15th and March 30th. Does that sound right? (laughs) Yes. Like a large gap. So Stanley was born on March 17th. So that's actually a really good time. Um, so yeah, it'll still be cold in Maryland then, you know that. So yeah, you probably should go on and get a full blanket. (laughs) Um, Oh yes. They have the weather beta 300 D growing full blanket. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh there. yeah, that's the one you need right there. That's perfect. $64 out the window. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's like it's free because it was $75 and it's exactly. on sale. It's on sale. <laughs> and the good thing is if you don't have more foals after this, you can resell it. You can put it online and get so most of your money back. I know it's so cute. So who is the baby daddy and what is the baby mama? The baby mama is a thoroughbred mare that I took preliminary, and the dad is a West Phelan stallion uh, owned by Hannah Salazar in Virginia named Fairmond. Oh, I can't, I'm going to look that horse up. It sounds amazing. Oh, he's lovely. Read uh, the best of the best to get the best. I can't wait. You know what? I would just be happy if I got my mare again. She's the best. Oh, so. I was like, please. My mare is really nice. I'm like, have her brain and have daddy's body (laughs) but they're both they're both bay but knowing my luck i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get a chestnut filly 
<laughs> I'm convinced. Yeah. Yeah. I was praying for a black cult and that I got a chest in Philly. So yeah, it'll happen. I remember. I remember. <laughs> so I just say, if I say I'm going to get a chestnut Philly, maybe I won't. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Um, it's going to happen, but she ended up being quite nice. So it, 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 it can work out in the end. It can happen. All right. Well, let's give a call to our first guest. We're going to talk to Dr. Brooks about kissing spines. Well, I'd like to welcome Dr. Brooks to the show today to talk a little bit about kissing spines or a lot about it. But Dr. Brooks, this is all the information I have on you. So please tell me your full name and where you are in the world. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I am Dr. Samantha Brooks. I am a, an associate professor specializing in equine physiology and genetics here at the University of Florida. So I'm here oh in, in Janesville where it's a little warmer than the rest of the nation. right? Okay, now. let me stop. Okay, Samantha Brooks, I know who you are. Um, but I did want to say that I am now irritated that the three of you are in Florida and I'm in Oklahoma where it's like negative 10. <laughs> oh, so sorry. So sorry. I'm sending warm vibes through mm -hmm. the airwaves here. No, oh, thanks. I feel it's great. Uh, but I just come to Florida. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry. Uh, carry on. Keep telling us. I guess we should start with, you know, for those who may not have heard you come on the show before or heard us talk about it. What is kissing spines? So, um, I, I'm a horse person, like a, a lot of you folks out there. And, um, you know, what first thing I have a, a frustrating problem with one of my horses, the very next question in my brain is, okay, what's the science that we can do on this? So kissing spines is not an uncommon condition. And I think with improvements in our clinical technologies, like radiographs and all the fantastic new diagnostics, I think it's really in the past few years started to kind of rise to the surface of everyone's consciousness and we're realizing that there are more horses with kissing spines and it sounds kind of cute right kissing yeah fine mm -hmm. but what happens is in in horses because of the biomechanics of the way they're built as quadrupeds as they you know walk on four limbs they're prone to some back problems that are a little different than the back problems that you and I are prone to because we walk on two legs in their case, in some animals, the weight of their body as well as potentially of a rider and of the stress that they endure during all the fantastic athletic activities that they do can start to draw that, that spine downward. Now, horses have these long bony processes on top of each of their vertebrae that are very important for anchoring muscle. You know, that back's got to be strong and it has to transmit the power from the hindquarters forward into the forehand. And to do that, you need lots of muscle. But these same long, bony uh, sort of like, it's almost like a mast on a sailboat for each little vertebrae. Those same long processes, when that back begins to, to be drawn downward by weight, they can start to pinch one another. Um, they, they just begin to, to come too close. And that's where we get the name kissing spines because the, the surfaces of those, those bony processes just start to touch. Now, when they get too close, that can cause all sorts of inflammation, irritation, and eventually bony changes that we see on radiographs. And for horses, this can be quite painful. That pain tends to um, be observed by their riders and trainers often as things like um, behavioral problems. So they don't like to be saddled. They may, they may be acting out during training sessions. Um, and it also can become limiting. So they may, you know, not want to take one canter lead over another. Inevitably, though, um, it, it can reach a point where even though the horse can, can appear fairly sound on a, on a lameness exam, when they're actually being worked at what they're intended to do, they're just not able to work at the same level that they might have previously. That might be one of the better explanations uh, that I've ever heard about it. Um, and, and, you know, some of those things that you mentioned, uh, the, the not wanting to be saddled, the not wanting to do this and work and all that, you know, a lot of times that's attributed to ulcers and you treat the ulcers and, and nothing changes. So I, let's say I have a horse that is, is showing those behaviors. What are some, some diagnostic 
things I, I that I could do or my and then call my vet and see what they can do. Right. So this is really tough because as you mentioned, it can be confused with other sort of generalized sources of pain like ulcers. And and a lot of these sources, you know, sometimes the first thing you think is, oh, it's a training problem or saddle fit problem. And those can be true as well. So it's really, really hard for the horse owner to tease these things out. Um, The best thing to do is to work with a really good veterinarian because they do have a, a much bigger toolbox in terms of diagnostics. For kissing spines, you know, from what I understand, having gone through this a little bit myself, is the the gold standard tends to be radiographs. So get an x-ray because you can see if there's bone loss or bone addition, you get like arthritis in between those little um, spinous processes, you can see that on an x-ray. That indicates that there are changes going on. And for most horses, that will lead you to, along with all the other clinical signs, kind of think that they're probably... Uh, a kissing spines case, but not always. There are a lot of horses who will have what looks like some bony changes on radiographs, but they don't yet have the pain that's going to cause all the other types of behavioral changes that we see. There's some other things. There are some uh, ultrasound techniques that can be used to supplement those types of things, but um, it's it's very, very frustrating because sometimes it's a process of elimination. So you wouldn't see this and go straight to radiographs. So you, there's some other things you would do before that. <laughs> well, you know, now now we need to get our suite of veterinarians uh, on our team on the call uh, so they can <laughs> they can back me up. Um, and I probably all have a different opinion, but uh, and it's going to differ a little bit based on the the individual case and budget, right? And you're mm-hmm. are you able to get to radiographs that are going to be a good enough quality kind okay, of Okay, so yeah, you can't take these in the field. They have to be sent to a to a big x-ray machine, correct? Not always. Not always. Depends on the size of the horse. So some really, really big warm bloods, you're going to have a hard time, you know, for some thicker parts of the body getting a good picture. But for a lighter bred thoroughbred, if you've got a great field veterinarian who has a good uh, radiograph, they, they can do it a, okay. a fairly well job with a, with a cooperative patient, of course. <laughs> Now, Sam, I go up to a horse and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if you have kissing spine. Is there like, can I like push on the withers or like press on the back or do something <laughs> that makes it go, he'll go, ow, that hurts. And you're like, oh, you have it. Or maybe you have it. Oh, I, I wish it were black and white because boy, that would make my job as a geneticist so much easier, right? Can we just, there are lots of professionals now working in things like chiropractic and body work. And, and they will give you some various stories as to whether they can or cannot do that. In some cases, I think that's true. In others, you know, remember, you know, I, we're like, what, you know, 150 pounds on average you know, pushing on that back. That's a very different type of, of weight load than the dynamic load that you get from a rider when you're, say, you know, trying to collect in between a difficult combination of jumps. Um, so biomechanically, you know, if they have pain in their back, then you know they have pain in their their back. When you push on it, then you can start to investigate stuff. But I think if you don't find pain when kind of poking at them, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have problems that are worth investigating more. Gotcha. Okay. So now let's get to the genetic portion of your work. You have done a study. Tell everybody about the study that, that has been, because actually my co-host here, Jacqueline sent in radiographs and hair to your study. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah. I did. So when- I'm I'm so thrilled. I I probably I know fifty thousand of your horse's data points better than than he ever wanted me to. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So when we go out and talk to horse owners, you know, we kind of um, ask around and say, you know, what are the problems that you find most frustrating? And it's not always the conditions that are the most deadly. Sometimes it's the ones that we just don't have enough answers for and become these sort of persistent. everyday challenges. And this was on the top of a lot of lists, you know, especially for our elite performance horses. We just don't have a lot of good answers for kissing spines. So me being a geneticist, I'm like, ah, all right, then we should throw some genetics at this. 
so Adelon Diagnostics actually pulled this together in a really nice um, sort of citizen science approach using their client base, um, as well as a large group of their team of uh, consulting veterinarians, which is fantastic because, as I say, I'm the gene jockey, right? Um, these guys, they really know what it's like to work in the field with these horses and have helped us build a set of, of criteria to define the condition that was stringent enough to give us a good scientific study. Because like you said, okay, half these, half these horses maybe got poked in the back by a chiropractic and the other half got a complete workup. You know, that would not be good science. So they helped us keep it very, very uniform and get us good clinical details. Um, and then Adelon funded all of the genotyping. So each horse that was in the study is genotyped across around 50,000 different sites of the, of the genome itself. Now, I should mention the study is still ongoing. And so if any of you listeners out there have a horse with kissing spines, I really encourage you to contact the folks at Edelon to see if they, they can uh, send their horse in as well. Because, well, we've got really, really exciting preliminary data we do still need to build our sample size and get additional horses, especially from some different breeds, because as we got into the story a little deeper, it started to get more and more interesting. <laughs> like, So um, did you see one particular breed a lot more? We did. We did. So, um, so the, the study focuses on uh, warm blood sport horses, stock horses, and thoroughbreds. And the strategy there was primarily because these are the horses who most frequently have issues with, with kissing spines, and maybe for different reasons. Um, but they all have elite athletes in there, right? You've got great jumpers and dressage horses and reining horses and, and horses who have an athletic job that can be critically derailed by a problem like, like kissing spines. Mm -hmm. So when we started to tease the problem apart, genetically, um, we really started to see some differences between these groups. In particular, we are still to this day really struggling to find thoroughbreds that are of mature age and don't have some radiographic signs of kissing spine. Of course, not all of those will have it, uh, a painful enough level of change for it to become performance limiting, but we are struggling to find thoroughbreds with, a, with clean radiographs. It's really hard, despite these horses having, you know, 100 years of, of being the, the peak of athletic performance. It's really tough. That's really disheartening, actually. That So, but, so, so what are you, are you hoping to find some people to send you clean x-rays or not? Or are you just saying this is what you just couldn't oh, yeah. identify? Yeah, it? yeah. No, I mean, we, we have some other um, criteria that we look at. So uh, among the horses who do have kissing spines, there are different levels of severity. So we spent a lot of time actually examining the severity of the radiographic changes, and that gives us a, a sort of an additional layer to study for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but with any scientific experiment, the control is just as important as the experimental condition, right? So our control horses are extremely important in every study, and we really have to be equally as thorough at examining those controls as we are with our disease cases. And the challenge there is that, you know, when your horse is having a problem um, and you're going through a, you go to your vet and you go through a workup, you know, you get radiographs done and, and you, it's pretty justified as an expense. But when your horse is going around beautifully, how often do you call up your vet and go, you know... I think I just want to spend a bunch of money on radiographs. Yeah, not <laughs> so, so much. Um, it's hard. It, it, it's not just that thoroughbreds are tough. It's also that, that we're relying on horse owners and, and the behavior is usually not to radiograph your horse when everything is going well. <laughs> so but the, the, give me some good news about kissing spines. And, and since this is still ongoing, I'm going to give out your email address if that's okay. And where people can find out, you know, where to send their absolutely their yeah it's yeah absolutely certainly can reach out to me and we get, get you all connected up to participate in the in the study itself and that's um, so let's see um i there are strong genetic components and i think that's going to be helpful of course you know with genetics we're, we kind of default we always talk about breeders right so maybe you have a mare who you retired at 15 due to some kissing spines um but she's 
excellent in all her other qualities. She has a great mind. She's very sound um, from, from the knees down, you know. Um, we may be able to enable you to choose a stallion that's going to reduce the risk of kissing spines in that foal. And that's very important because there are a lot of these horses that, that have kissing spines that they have made it to a level of performance that, that really made you think that they have a lot of special qualities, but they just had to be retired maybe even at their peak due to kissing spines. And that's a very tempting category to make into breeding stock, right? So mm -hmm. having a tool for breeders to help to avoid the disease in future generations, that's super important. But that's not all that this can do for us, right? Um, you know, there's certainly the ability to potentially include this on a pre-purchase exam. So, you know, let's say you've got a horse and you're thinking about buying him and he's still young. Maybe you look at, you're going to look at a lot of things. But if he has a higher than average risk for kissing spines and you just retired your favorite show horse for kissing spines, you're going to be a little bit wary about getting into that problem again, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you pass him up or you pick him up as a youngster and you carefully manage his back throughout his sport horse career to try to use all the environmental variables we have at our fingertips to prevent the disease. And there's a few things that we can, can try to do along those lines. So gotcha. there's the, the preventative sort of predictive aspect. And my favorite part is that, you know, we don't really know why some horses under the same level of strain of physical load develop kissing spines while others don't. And it might come down to things like, you know, genes for connective tissue or genes for turnover of bone. And if we can understand at sort of the molecular level, what's different between those two horses, maybe we can devise new preventative or therapeutic strategies targeting those mechanisms, like mm -hmm. encouraging turnover of bone or, or maybe trying to strengthen that connective tissue. Um, so it, it gives us a little bit of hope, actually, that we don't have to imagine that we'll test a bunch of horses and then just discard them when they have this disease and send them off to do other, you know, other jobs. What we might be able to do is work a little smarter and find new ways to to fight this very frustrating condition. Man, okay, well, thank you for ending with a little bright spot of hope for all the horse owners <laughs> out there. If you guys want to email, uh, get some more information, it's samantha.brooks at ufl.edu. Am I correct there? Samantha.brooks at ufl.edu. Uh, fantastic. Oh, we have run out of time, but this is fascinating. And I hope that, uh, everybody listening picked up a few things. I know I did. And we really appreciate you being on the show, Dr. Brooks. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. You guys have a good day. You too. And good luck in the future. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Bye. All right, Jacqueline, why don't you tell us about one of our sponsors, our friends at Equiderma. So this episode is brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see a noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores. Find that and all Equiderma products at Equiderma.com. Thank you very much. All right, now it's time for a little weird news, Jen. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Yeah, today's going to be one of those days. And, I, you know, I was just realizing that the, the these weird news stories were sent to me by listeners, okay? Jacqueline and Jen. They were sent to me by Jessica and Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm like, what is happening here? My we should have Jamie. more Jacqueline. all J shows often. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Dr. Brooks being Samantha, she's lucky we let her on. I mean, really. <laughs> That's just weird. Okay, first story is, you know, lots of people have those ring doorbell things. Mm -hmm. Well, the, uh, oh my God, are you kidding me? A lady named Jackie Jane <laughs> of... Of New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, came home and her house was ransacked. 
like ransacked her door was torn down and her entire house looked uh, so, so there's a storm door that's made of glass so it was shattered to the inside there was a picture window on the side there was all sorts of like all their furniture and things on the wall were knocked down well she's got a ring doorbell Okay, so she, this is so ridiculous. So she goes and she's like, I need to figure out who this was, you know? And so she looks at the ring doorbell and it was two deer that came running through her window, through her front door, ran around the house and then ran out of the house. And she's like, why the hell would two deer just all of a sudden do that? And then... The ring doorbell caught the cougar. Ah! Through oh the broken God. door into her house, around the house, and out. So that is why her house was completely ransacked. They were deer being chased by a cougar. They're like, tuck and roll, guys. Let's go in here. God. Wow. That's why we call it weird news. <laughs> um, uh, this is this is definitely weird. Um, Jen, there is a little button that Glenn plays in between the news clips. Is does, this the one? He, is this the one? All right. The next story. We're gonna head to Indiana. Okay. There was a, a, a her, Karen Warner. She's 51. She was adopted. Okay. And she just really wanted to know a little bit more about her. And her, finally her Indiana adoption records became unsealed. And so she finally found out uh, what her biological mother's name was. And then the discovery came and it turns out she has a twin brother. And she is 51 years old. Did never knew she had a twin. And so she sought help from various adoption websites, trying to find her long lost brother. And she just couldn't find a name. So then she, she really got sleuthy and obtained local voting records with the list of three men who shared her birthday. The third name on the list is a guy named Mike Jackman and stood out because, oh my God. I'm Facebook friends with him because I went to high school with him. So she sends Jackman a Facebook message and she's like, Hey, remember me from high school? Want to go take a DNA test? <laughs> so she goes to get a DNA test and turns out the dude she went to high school with is her twin brother. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Wow. These stories are always just so interesting on the way the world works. That oh. one's super <laughs> bizarre, but we're going to end on a bright note. Okay. Um, we're going to talk to Lulu, the border collie in Tennessee. <laughs> I love you just said it. Okay. Now we're going to talk to Lulu, the border collie. Um, there was a, a, a gentleman that lives in Tennessee and he is a very successful businessman, but he passed away and he was unmarried, had no children and had substantial real estate holdings and investments. Um, he was on the road a lot for work and he wanted Lulu, his border collie to be taken care of. So he would leave her frequently with his friend, Martha Burton. Burton is 88 and is now Lulu's full-time caretaker. Okay. Because the man died, he left Lulu to uh, this lady in his will. But do you know what else he left Lulu in his will? Hopefully money. Five million dollars. <laughs> oh my God. I'd gladly take Lulu. <laughs> Come on, Lulu. If she's 88, if she don't want him anymore, it's a border collie. They might have too much energy. I'd be happy to take Lulu. Um, yeah. So, so she, Burton, the nice lady who has the dog now says, Oh yeah, he loved the dog. I don't really know what to think about him giving her $5 million to tell you the truth. She says she knows she probably won't manage to spend all 5 million, but quote, well, I'd like to try. 
<laughs> that dog is going to be treated very well. So, yes, Lulu the Border Collie inherited $5 million after the death of her father. You go, Lulu. Good on you. Way to go, Lulu. And, Jen, that's it. Hit it again. Hit it again. That wraps up weird news for this week. If you guys see a weird news story, please feel free to email it to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, it's much appreciated. I mean, come on, where would I find all these awesome stories? Uh, it takes a lot of work. So anyway, thanks to everybody for sending them. Thanks to what all the J's. Let's see. We have Jessica and Jenny, Jacqueline and Jen. What is on your agenda for today? See what I did there. <laughs> Mm, so I have to go back to my office job for a little bit after this, but then I am cross country schooling the five-star wannabe horse this afternoon and getting a lesson on my other horse. Not the one, no. bucks, the other one. Yeah. Now, one now Jen, your husband is not home right now, which is why Jacqueline is sitting in and he's not home because he had to make good on a Valentine's day gift which was to get the hell away from you. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. That is why, Jacqueline, he's not there because he had, she, she's like, yeah, Valentine's Day. You could just leave. Yes. That'd be a gift. That's Well, you know, when you live and work together 24-7, 365, it's a gift to get away from each other once in a while. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, says the lady and who left her husband in Maryland with a bunch of horses who took off for Florida. Get with the program, Jamie. Come on, leave town. Man, I'm out of I'm out of here. As soon as this storm is over, You're I'm out. Um, well, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for hosting, Jacqueline. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I had a great time as always. And Jen, thank you for producing. And um, let's see, Jacqueline, at the end of every show, you have to like, you know, have your thing that you say. Do you have a thing that you like to say? I thought we were supposed to do what we learned today. Oh, you can do that too. <laughs> what did you learn today? Oh gosh, I learned too many things. Dr. Brooks has got me all freaked out now that I bred my mare with kissing spine. <laughs> oh no, are you serious? I mean, maybe, right? Yeah. But hey, we bred her before this study came out, so it's all good. <laughs> it's not. You didn't know? I mean, I didn't know. No. Uh, uh, so I learned that. And yeah, my I guess my saying is everybody enjoy the rest of your day. Kiss your ponies, hug your husbands, and love everyone. Aww. Hug your wives. Love hug your, your wife. Your dogs, your cats, and your chickens. By the way, I would just like you guys to know that my chickens are currently with warm water because currently in their coop is my crock pot. That's right. <laughs> good thinking. That's amazing. That How's is good that thinking. There. <laughs> Everybody have a great one. Spay, neuter, and geld.